All I knew is that I wanted to be in a room that had opportunity, that had active investors, qualified investors, where I could walk in and I could walk out with something and also contribute to their success. Hey, investors, you are listening to the Investing to Win podcast, the show dedicated to empowering investors to achieve financial freedom and live your best life. This show is committed to offering honest conversation between investors, common sense strategies, real-time market updates, and professional guidance to achieving financial freedom. Investing doesn't have to be super hands-on or complicated. We are all about passive investments with real gain, so you have freedom of time and money. Your host is none other than Garrett Wong, who brings decades of experience in buying, renovating, and managing cash flow investment properties. Thanks for being here and get ready to invest to win. Welcome investors. Today I interviewed Dakota Sharon, a real estate investor here in Winnipeg. What's really quite interesting is he couldn't find a network or group to meet like-minded people and from whom he could learn. So he went out and made that happen. You're going to love this episode where we discuss power of networking. Stay tuned. Welcome, investors. My name is Garrett Wong, host of your podcast. Today, I'm spending some time with Dakota Sharon, a local real estate investor, but he also founded a networking group, which we're going to hear about more during the podcast. Dakota, welcome. Thanks for having me, Garrett. I appreciate this. I appreciate it very much as well. Why don't we start off by having you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, What's your story and your background? Maybe I'll start with my story and then discuss the background. Uh, 26 years old, um, have been doing real estate for about five years. I've always been interested in real estate and architecture and homes and, and anything in that kind of realm, whether it's design and, and, you know, those types of things. And so from a very young age, I'd always been interested in art. I'd always been drawing homes, looking at homes throughout my teenage years. I had been driving down streets, fantasizing about homes. And I quickly realized that that needed to be the field and industry I needed to be in, in some capacity. So going through high school, I determined that, you know, my success story would be creating an architecture firm, move to BC and do some very cool custom homes. And I had it all planned and I had it all laid out. And within my first year of university, I decided that was not going to be my path. So I'd reflected on kind of what my interests were and and they went right back to, you know, the, the housing industry, if you will. And I recognized that I had an interest in real estate investing. So as most people do, you pick up a book, you attend a seminar, you learn a little bit here and there. And I quickly realized that that was the industry I wanted to be in. Now, that being said, I didn't jump right in immediately. So I dropped out of university at the time. I started a lawn care business and only had grown it for about just over a year at the time. And throughout that, I had actually penetrated the real estate investor market. So I I had done a lot of work for investors through that business. And I had met uh, one of our clients at the time, and he was a real estate investor, of course. Throughout the winter, I had slowed down, shut down the business, and I had a proposal from this gentleman to essentially come work for him. And so I made the decision throughout the winter to do exactly that. And come spring, I had a tough decision to make on whether I was going to try managing this business, sell it, or just shut it down completely or do both at once. And at that time, I had a prospective buyer that uh, was coming in from outside of Winnipeg. 
had approached me and I made the decision to sell that business and go into real estate full-time with this other gentleman. And fast forward, it was about two years. We had done a fair bit together. I was very young at the time. A lot of things took place and we, we ended up parting ways. And then upon parting ways, I decided to go out on my own and start my own, my own real estate venture, if you will. Just before that parting of ways as well, I had founded what was called the Winnipeg Investors Club. It was very casual. Uh, it was a group of about 18 of us, 16 to 18 of us at an Earl's and um, very, very casually. And upon a year, it, it grew tremendously. And so we had, we had positioned it as what was called the Winnipeg Investors Club. And then later was rebranded and transitioned into the um, National Real Estate Investors Community. So that's a little bit about my story. And I forget the other question you had for me as well. No, that's, that's amazing. I mean, it, it's very interesting. I think anybody in real estate that I know anyways, didn't start off in being real estate. I mean, you don't graduate high school and go, well, some people do. I'm going to be a real estate investor. We all have different stories, mine with science. So, But what interests me in your answer there is you started off with a business. So that entrepreneurial spirit was already there. And then you naturally followed your path into real estate. So that kind of answers you know, that question I was going to ask, why did you get into real estate? But, uh, you know, you mentioned Winnipeg Investors Club. I, I have a memory of that. You and I first met, I believe, when I, I found that club on Facebook a few years ago. Um, I remember very clearly you made me qualify if I was a legitimate investor. And then shortly thereafter, I went to uh, a networking event. I, I really want to dive deep into networking. I mean, you kind of just said you founded this, you know, Winnipeg Investment Club, National Real Estate Investors association. What do you feel defines networking specifically pertaining to real estate investors? I think it's being in an environment that ultimately fosters people helping people, reaching their goals, providing solutions and, and finding the opportunities that one's really looking for. I think at the end of the day, that's what networking is about. And it can take shape in, in a coffee meeting, a phone call conversation, a Facebook message, or an event that, that fosters that environment. Okay. So... I mean, obviously, I guess maybe not obviously. I know when I'm, I'm also a real estate investor and just trying to find whether it's deals or, you know, investors uh, that can come with capital, joint venture partnerships. You can find those, those leads from anywhere, but you chose to kind of, and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, get your own environment, create your own group. Um, was that sort of the motivation behind this or was it just you wanted to get some people together and see what would happen? It's funny. Most people think that I did want to start this. And in fact, I didn't. Uh, I wish there was a group like this that I could just be, you know, attending these events, attending this environment, having these resources. It was about a year after I had been in real estate. I've been in real estate for five years coming this January. I'm 26. So I got into it at about 21. When you asked me about my story, I had, I had sort of illustrated this picture that most investors go through. And it begins with seminars. You know, they have these, these shows that come into different, different cities occasionally and various different books. And what I found was that space was great. It opened my eyes to a lot of different things. But I had already been experienced to some degree, having been in real estate for a year full time already. Most of that environment is about teaching people how to get into real estate and not so much how to grow their existing real estate business or how to put themselves in a room with, you know, money, resources, opportunities, connections, those types of things. And so I quickly recognized that I wanted to be in a room of 
you know, active investors, investors that I could help contribute to their success and for them to be able to contribute to my success. At the end of the day, I would like to say that all I wanted to do was give back to these investors, but I'm also in it for myself. And so is every other investor, we want to grow our own businesses. And so I looked, you know, at the time, I, I didn't know what this vision looked like. All I knew is that I wanted to be in a room, like I described, a room that had opportunity, that had active investors, qualified investors, where I could walk in and I could walk out with something and also contribute to their success. And I went looking for it. And quite frankly, I couldn't find it. A lot of the groups would potentially have a, a portion of networking or something to that effect. But I always found that there was some form of coaching. There was some form of course, there was always a pitch and not that there's anything wrong with that. And not that there isn't a space for that because there certainly is. And there's people that need to learn and need to be educated. It just wasn't necessarily the space for myself. And I'm sure it not, it may not be the space necessarily for people who are advanced already. And so I looked for it and I couldn't find it. And so that's why I say it quickly, it quickly started with, you know, an Earl's restaurant. There was, I forget the exact number. It was between 16 and 18 people. And that was a group of people that I put together that I knew would have money and people and, and deals and, and resources. And it quickly grew. And I think it grew because I was qualifying people. I didn't have the vision that I do today. And I sure didn't have the vision back then to form an organization such as it exists today. It was really just being able to put a group of people together to grow our businesses. And here's where we are today. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I would say like I've attended some of your events and they're fantastic. Um, what is really quite unique is that, you know, you're putting like with like, right? Like-minded people, like-minded experience and like attracts like. So I, I can definitely see where, you know, somebody who's just wanting to get into real estate attends one of your events and sees a lot of these successful investors. Some people have between, you know, 10 and some people have 200, 300 units. And there's all this experience there. But sometimes somebody with 200 units wants to have a good conversation with another person who has a thousand units because they want to learn. And you've, you've created that environment. Quite amazing. Thank you. I, I envision it sort of I don't know if there's a picture, but I picture a meme or or some sort of, you know, inspirational quote, but there's somebody kind of in the middle and somebody is above them, picking them up, raising them up. And then that person's also putting their hand down to somebody below them. And that's what we're trying to create with this environment, right? Is you've got people that are just beginning that have maybe one deal under their belt or a little bit of capital. And then you've got people with, you know, two, 300 units more than that in certain cases. And we want to continue to expand that so that no matter what place you're at, you're either helping people. And we try and encourage and ensure that people that are that are a part of this community do give back and do provide value. It's not just a one way street where you're taking, taking, taking. And we try and ensure that that takes place within our community. So naturally, you can give back, but there's also a place for you to learn and grow. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree 100%. You know, 100% I, I think I don't remember where I heard the quote and I'm probably butchering it, but um, it's something to the along the lines of you don't want to be the most experienced or the smartest person in the room if you want to truly learn because mm -hmm. you want to learn from others. So let, let's, uh, let's talk about networking itself. Uh, what kind of benefits can people get by networking versus going on the internet and watching YouTube videos? I don't want to be that guy who repeats the same quote that everybody else probably repeats when you ask this question, but your network is your net worth. What I found is that, you know, if you've got a network of, of great people around you, the benefits are, are limitless, essentially, because we can 
get benefits through various different resources, whether it's Google, it's courses, it's coaches, it's, it's books, it's all these areas, but you're still limited to some degree. As soon as you've got a community of people or a network around you or networking itself, which ultimately creates what I'm describing, then you've got everything you need at the end of the day. I've put myself around great people that are experts in the areas of their field, their respective fields and industries. And I've got a great group of friends and I've got a great group of investors. And I know that I can count on them at any time when I've got a question, when I'm in need of help, when I'm in need of a resource. And it could be as simple as, hey, Garrett, I need to educate myself on this. What book would you recommend? And I've, I've shortcomed the need for research. I've, I've saved time. I've saved money, uh, money in the form of, of time. I've gained a resource quicker. Um, so to me, you know, I might be answering it in a, in a way that you probably would like to see specifics broken down. But to me, it's really anything. Anything you desire can come from your network, provided you, f- you build a strong network. And that's the important element. But once you build it and you can t- continue to build it, it's limitless. Yeah, I've attended some of these networking events. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because you never know who you're going to shake hands with. You never know who you're going to meet. And I've been to a lot of conferences. And I used to be one of those people who would just attend the lectures and not go to the networking part. But literally, like you might pay $1,000 for a conference and you meet that one person that gives you that one piece of advice that blows your mind and sends you off into that critical pivot in your real estate career. And it, I mean, that that's what networking can do. And you, you're right, you don't know where that's going to happen. Absolutely. So quite often, people may feel it's not worth it to go to an actual networking event. Um, what would you say to them? And what could they be missing out? So I have two thoughts to that question. I think the first one would ultimately be the moment you have the conclusion that you don't want to go or that the event might not be worth it. Or I can picture it, you know, you're putting your suit on to go to a networking event and you're, you're chatting with your significant other and you're like, ah, I don't really want to go. Hopefully I get something out of it. You've already lost. Uh, you've lost in the game of looking for opportunities of finding the value because your mindset is not there. And so I think anybody that's going to a networking event needs to change their mindset. And that being said, you know, that brings me to my second point, which is it only takes one thing, literally one thing, one opportunity, one connection, one nugget, one introduction, that's all it takes. And sometimes you might get one of those at every networking event that might not change your life, but eventually you might get one that might be that one contact that completely revolutionizes your business, your business model connects you with an investor. And I think I want to remind people as well as that when you reflect on having attended an event, networking specifically, you may not see your results or the fruit of your labor of attending that event immediately. So you need to be able to continue to build upon what you've taken out of that event, whether that's a connection, a resource. Because what I've quickly learned is that even though somebody might be at an event, you might have connected with them. Each one of those people has their own network. And so Every time you connect with one person, you have to recognize that not only are you getting the network that's at this event, but with each person, you're getting another network, another network, another network of people. And if you can do a good enough job at bringing value to that event to that person, in all likelihood, you're going to receive value back. And although you might not receive it at that event, you could ask them 
and they might have access to whatever you're looking for in their network as well. And so naturally, time after time and over time, those opportunities will start to really come and they'll be quantifiable. Wow. That's, uh, I took away quite a few things from that. I have to admit to my lovely audience, I, I, was, I am that guy sometimes. I, I was that guy, I guess. I go to a networking event or I, again, at a conference, I'm tired. I want to just hang out in my hotel room and eat some room service. And you drag yourself to the event. And, you know, I'm a very shy person by, by nature. So for me to stand in the corner and not do anything, it's, uh, it's pretty easy. But I think I've, I've approached it like kind of like purposeful work, right? You go to a networking event, there's a purpose to it. You want to shake as many hands as you can. I've gotten to the point now where I, I collect these business cards. Obviously, business cards are being exchanged. But after that, I'm taking a pen and I'm writing on the back of that business card who that person was, what I got from them, what the conversation was. And then I'm taking pictures of all of those and they're in my camera roll so that when I go back, I sort of have a informal Rolodex, if you will. And uh, that served me fairly well. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't really collect business cards and I don't hand out business cards, but I, I heard of somebody sharing a similar strategy. And what they recommended is use your phone in, I know with iPhones and probably Samsung's as well, with each contact, there's a notes section. And what they recommended is, is every time you have a meeting with that person, note something, pick up on something. Even if you've met them at one event and they told you that their dad owned a trucking business, for example, it might not have any relevance to you today. But then when you come to the time where maybe you're doing an infill project, it's your first one. And the guy you hire to deliver gravel all of a sudden isn't showing up. You just search in your phone. And then that guy that you met at that networking event that you didn't think had any value for you, all of a sudden you're calling him and you're saying, hey, can you connect me with your dad? I need a, you know, I need a, a person to haul some gravel to get this infill done. And you just search gravel, hauling, whatever in your phone, and there it is. And then a year later, two years, three years later, you've had that connection made. And then building upon those relationships as well as saving things like their daughter's birthday, their own birthday, whatever that you might be able to comment on, pick up just one thing that you can call them a year later. Hey, I remember at the event, you told me you had this goal and, and you were looking to get your, your second project that you had conditional. Did you get that deal done? How did it go? Relationship is instantly built. Yeah. Well, um, I had a previous interview uh, where we were talking about relationship building. And that's really, I think that's the one constant in real estate, uh, whether you own a property, whether you're a property manager, whether you're a realtor, that relationships is that commodity that we're trying to foster here. And it's not going to go away. You cannot have well, you can't have a networking event without people. <laughs> so, so let's talk about networking events. You put on quite a few. Some of them are, are very upscale. I've even seen during, during COVID, you put on some digital ones. What's the ideal frequency you would say for a meetup or networking event? How much is too much and what's not enough? Well, I wish I knew because I'd be doing it. Um, you know, for us personally, at one point, we were doing monthly events those would be monthly in-person events. Now we actually do about 18 to 20 events a year, usually between six and eight in-person events a year. And then we have 12 keynote sessions, which are online events with speakers. I can't really tell you what an ideal frequency is from, and I'll speak to this on two points. Maybe somebody who's starting up meetups or networking events might be able to take value from my, my first point, which is 
it's a fine balance of understanding how often is too much and how often is just enough that people want to be at every event every single time. That's the balance we've been trying to identify because, you know, we don't want to be in a position where if we have an event every single month, everybody's looking at their phone and going, ah, you know what, I'm not going to go tonight because I got, you know, I'm going to put in an extra 30 minutes at the office or I'll catch it next week or I'll catch it next month. And so we've tried to do it in such a way that there's enough time between each event that people are like, well, if I don't come to this one, I'm not going to be able to catch it for another month, two months. I don't know the answer. Uh, I paid a consultant $350 to tell me that answer, which is I need to be hosting less events. So take what you will from it. I will say that at, since we've made that that change, we have seen numbers increase each time. I think our last event had over just over 80 people there. So am I doing it right? I have no idea. I hope uh, I'll get that answer to you one day. For people that are looking to network in and of itself, I also don't know. I think being able to stay in touch frequently is the important element. Building upon those relationships is the important element. Networking can be done in in many different ways, right? You've got the networking event itself. But sometimes I think one touch point a week is my opinion. Um, if you're really building a relationship, a quick text message once a week, and then a, you know, a coffee meeting once every couple months, maybe once a quarter, and then you see them frequently at networking events. That's kind of my my opinion because people's lives change from week to week in real estate. It'll, you know, you might talk to, I, I teach this to my team um, who do realtor calls. I don't do them anymore. I've got, I've got somebody who does them for me, but I tell them you gotta be following up once or twice a week because you might call the realtor on Monday afternoon and they might be like, I have nothing for you. And then they get off the call and then they get a call Hey, I'm looking to sell my house. I got your flyer. It's a fixer upper. And they might not even think of you. So when you follow up with them the, the following day or the Wednesday, there's that opportunity. And that's naturally what happens with real estate. People are inherently lazy. Whoever they've got that they've got the most recent conversation with, that's likely where the deal's going. So did you know that there is a big difference between investing in real estate and becoming a real estate investor? People become real estate investors all the time. They get into a flip or conversion project or even dealing with long-term tenants. And they come back to us to tell us the same thing. It's like having another full-time job. I don't know about you, but that's not what we call investing. Investing in real estate is about having your money work for you in a way that is passive, consistent, most importantly, hands-off. So which one are you? Do you want to be a real estate investor or do you want to invest in real estate? For those that are open to investing in real estate and having your money work for you, listen up. Garrett Wong has spent decades helping thousands of property owners navigate the ins and outs of property investing and management through his award-winning company, Upper Edge Property Management. Their new division, Upper Edge Capital, is currently involved in multiple projects, from single-family flips to multifamily development. Are you looking for a healthy return on your invested capital or perhaps becoming a joint venture partner? If so, go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to book a time to speak with Garrett and his team to see if there is a fit. Once again, the link is www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest. Now back to the show. I think what you're trying to do is just provide value wherever it's going to appear, right? 
you know, your your online events, they're attended well as, as well. And they're not really supposed to be networking. But I, I have been there where I've seen the chat box going on the side of the Zoom while the speaker's going and people are, hey, how's it going? Hey, I want to speak to you after. I've got a deal for you. Like, it's very interesting because I think even seeing somebody's face in a Zoom meeting and you're not even shaking their hand prompts something at the back of your mind saying, hey, you know what? I remember meeting that person at last in-person event. I've got something for them, right? It's, it's all these little reminders. And you don't know where it's going to come from. So your events are quite unique. Some of them, you know, you've hosted at Fort Gary, you know, the Manitoba Club. How much value do you place on the experience of the attendees? And, and do you think that impacts them coming to your next event? Yeah, I guess you want me to answer that as the founder of, of NREAC, right? Well, that's the experience. <laughs> I just wasn't sure whether you were asking me more so for from an, like the listener as a potential attendee. So again, you know, this could be for anybody that's hosting events or whatever. But do you think that that impacts them coming to your next event? Well, absolutely. You know, we as a founder of NRAIC, we've hosted, I think we just did the numbers. I think we've hosted 44 in-person or 44 events so far. Um, I think those are our numbers, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that's several dozen events that we've hosted. And we're going to continue to host dozens upon dozens of events into the future. So the first thing is, I wish I could tell every single one of our attendees, you get what you put in. Like if only every attendee would come to our events and do two things, deliver value and know what they want to take from it. And they communicated that with the group and the people they meet. It would be easy. My job would be easy because I put people in a room. It's just simply not a reality, right? So myself as a founder of these events or, or the community and sort of the visionary behind these events, I guess, I have to really ask myself, what does a successful event look like? Not to us as NREIC, but to each member. And how do I make it valuable to each member? And how do I make their goals? You know, each member is coming with a different a different need, a different goal. So how do I try and provide a space for as many of those members to walk away meeting that goal or that desired outcome? So naturally, we have to be able to create the environment. It's a, you know, we, we do event introductions at every one of our events. So we have everybody basically, you know, get into a circle and we pass a mic around. We have everybody do a couple things. One, share their name, evidently. Two, what type of investor are you? Or do you specialize in Burr, multifamily, new builds, et cetera? And then three, either what are you looking to get out of this event? What is the one specific thing that you absolutely need to get out of this event? And two, potentially they're not looking to get something out of it, but they have something to offer, a deal, capital. And what that does is that instantly starts to create these connections at the beginning of our event rather than searching through a room. So I know that networking those connections are what people are there for. Do I know that somebody is going to speak to everybody and shake everybody's hand and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm Dakota. I'm looking for X. Do you have X? Oh, and here's what I have to offer. No, they're going to go probably mingle with their closest friends that they know already. They're going to naturally find their comfort zone. And so it becomes my responsibility and my obligation to create a space for that value to be you know, to be successful. And on a second, on a second note, as you mentioned, I've seen a lot of networking groups, they host their events in boardrooms, 
I've, I've seen them hosted in gyms. I've seen them hosted in, you know, like community clubs type of thing. And that's probably more educational, but I've seen people host networking events there too, hotels, those kinds of things. We really focus on trying to offer something that's much more unique. So much more unique venues. Um, You know, we, we offer valet parking in certain cases to our certain members. We call members before the events, depending on different tiers and levels. What drink do you want at the door for yourself this evening? You know, these extra little elements of, of experience not only get people to say that was valuable, but holy cow, what an incredible experience. I want to have that feeling every single time because it's, to me, my opinion is it's not, you're not going to, well, you might keep going back for the value, but the value doesn't necessarily create an emotion. The emotion is created through the experiences of potentially feeling like you're valued, uh, you're special. You got to dress up. So now, now you have that emotion of looking and feeling good. You got to shake hands with somebody that, you know, is potentially way more, um, successful than you, whatever you define as success, maybe it's more units. So that's my answer. Yeah, no, I, I would, uh, definitely. I, I think building on that experience keeps people coming back. That's in any business. Um, and you know, I think your previous entrepreneurial journey has primed you well for this networking uh, group because you are you're you're treating it like a business. You're not just trying to get some people into the room. You're treating it like your mission is to provide an environment where people feel comfortable. You're filling the room, and that's just going to lead to more and more of those little sub networks that you that you talk about. Yeah, and it's it's really not easy and no matter how much we ask for feedback, we always let our community members know, tell us what you want and we'll put together a team. We'll put together the resources, we'll build it. That's always been my mentality. So from experience to value to any of those things, you know, you have to knock it out of the park. First impressions last, but it's not easy to, uh, it's not easy to be successful. And a lot of, I, I've just found that a lot of people don't necessarily want to leave feedback. Um, a lot of people won't tell you what they actually feel took place at your event. And so you have to try and identify those things and just keep investing resources, time, creativity in just knocking every event out of the park time and time again. Well, they're certainly well attended. So you're doing something right. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) You won't say they're not well attended on a podcast interview, but, um, yeah, I mean, Hey, we had 80 people at our last event for, for Winnipeg. So, I mean, it's, it's all right. It's good. Probably not where you envision it, but that's okay. There's a lot of experienced real estate investors that might feel a networking event won't work for them. You know, again, I think we touched on this, but because they're experienced, let's go over that again and and sort of dig a little bit deeper. How can they benefit? Well, once again, all it takes is one, right? If you have the mindset that it takes one individual, it takes one resource, maybe you have a problem that you're trying to solve. You could go to Google, you could spend hours researching it, or you could walk into a networking event with other successful investors and just pop the question and say, hey, I need help with X. And then you've got several different ideas right then and there. So it's a matter of changing your opinion once again, and just reminding yourself that all it takes is one. So if you can come with a purpose and know crystal clear what that purpose is, and just don't leave the event until you find it. If you got to shake 80 different hands 
and you're there for three hours and you walk out with it, you were there for three hours. It was three hours of your time, but you got the one thing you needed. Whereas if you're not purposeful about it, you're never going to walk away with anything. And my, myself, as experienced as I am, I know that there's always something more to learn. There's always something I can do more efficiently. There's always something I can do better. There's always something I can, a way for my business to be more organized, uh, a software, a system. Like there's just dozens and thousands upon thousands of little things that you can get from talking to somebody on the street or at a networking event, wherever it might be. So no matter how experienced you are, and I think I talked with, we had Thatch Nguyen, I think is the last name. He's quite popular in the US. He came and spoke for us. And I forget what the saying was precisely, but it was just summed up as, you know, as soon as you stop growing, you're essentially dying. It's in whatever space, in whatever capacity, right? If you stop working out or you stop exercising and you sit on a couch for days upon days, it's going to be a very quick and unfortunate, you know, health decline. And so that's the same idea, right? You might be positioned well in your business, but the moment you stop thinking that I've made it or I don't need to go to networking events because there's nothing more for me to learn, you're going to quickly realize that after a certain period of time, you're going to be looking up at everybody else that's far more successful than you because you sat around thinking you made it and you stopped growing. Well, exactly. Markets change. I mean, you look at the current real estate environment we're in right now at this particular time with the high interest rates, things are fluctuating constantly. There's new tech that's coming into the space. There's things that people are doing differently. And anybody in business, it doesn't matter whether you're a dentist or a doctor, because those are still businesses, or you have a real estate business or you have a restaurant, you constantly have to innovate. You constantly have to search for that next greatest thing to improve your business. Exactly. And so I would just tell people, you know, that are that are experienced and they may not want to attend a networking event, be selective of the events you attend. Know who your potential audience that you want to be surrounded by is and make sure that you attend events that that have those types of people there. And bear in mind once again that the fruits of your labor won't show up at that event necessarily. But they may come if you're strategic about the way you take notes, the connections you build, delivering value first so that people remember you rather than you just remembering them. And relying on your network is certainly one component. But sometimes if you're not actively growing your network, you may be limited to some capacity or you'll grow to a certain point and you're only as good as as the network you've built. So you always want to be continuously building upon that network. You've got the same five friends you've had for the last you know, 15 years in business, you guys collectively, if you're not building additional networks and, and additional relationships, the five of you are only going to be where, you know, one guy got here, the four other got here and you keep kind of raising, but you're only going to be limited by that, that specific group. So you always want to be networking with new people, new building, new relationships. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, I mean, we, we keep saying that buzzword business, Let's talk about entrepreneurs for for a bit here. You know, like what are the things that you would look for in, uh, I guess, a good entrepreneur or the red flags that make a person a bad entrepreneur? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I guess characteristics, attributes. Well, it's an interesting question because immediately I start to think of the people that I think are successful and I realize that sometimes people, I, you know, organized came to mind. But then you hear of people that are ultra successful and they run around and they got papers flying all over the place and their vehicle's a mess. So it's hard to describe necessarily. But, you know, one of the things that I've always said that defines 
myself personally being in business is, is creativity. Somebody that's willing to be creative. Businesses are essentially created out of absolutely nothing. And then they have to continue to grow and serve. And they're always changing. And so being creative, I would say, is arguably one of the most important things. A relentless work ethic, being able to get punched in the face time and time again, go through heartache, get back up, go back to bat, contemplate whatever your your mind might contemplate, um, all kinds of awful things, dark places. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, so resilience. You know, I did say organization. I've seen countless people grow to a certain capacity, not being organized. And they can never, you know, they get to a certain point where now they can't get past where they've they've gotten themselves, where they've gotten themselves into a bad place. And now it's a, a never ending battle just to get out of what they've kind of built to get out of the hole they've dug themselves, so to speak. And I've seen a lot of people just do that through lack of organization. So I would say that that's a, an important element. Passion, similar to resilience, I suppose, but passion's an important element. Nobody will ever, I shouldn't say nobody will ever, but if you're starting a business, your family's not going to believe in you. Your spouse is not, le- not likely going to believe in you. You're going to have zero customers believe in you, your service or your product. You're not proven. So you have to be the most passionate person, both to the public's eye, to your team and to you personally, because you're going to be the only person who believes in yourself and what you're offering until at some point that changes where now you've start to build a following, a customer base, belief from your spouse, your family, significant others. I could probably go on and on, but I think that those would be some important ones. Yeah, no, I, uh, that resonates with me as well. I mean, I've, well, I'm in business. I mean, you, you face really, really tough times. You wonder why the heck you're doing this. Why don't I just go out and get a nine to five job? But the passion keeps you driving through your dreams, right? But yeah, let, let's talk about failures for a second. Cause I, I think failures teaches us to recognize success. Um, what business failure did you learn the most from? Well, going back to my story, I had, I had worked with somebody who became a partner and then parted ways. And, you know, I learned so much through that, but I think what I, I ultimately learned, and I think why it plays such a critical role in my life is that I won't go into detail necessarily because our, our community is small where, where we're from locally, but I was faced with having this individual at my wife and I's wedding and within the span of a couple months had seen a completely different character. and we had basically taken all of our accounts to zero. We had spent money in various different places on behalf of this individual that, that meaning pouring into their business and, and other places that weren't ours. And um, that would have been the most interesting time for me because I had to basically come to the point where we made the decision that we're going to attack the biggest problem that we've faced as as a couple. And I would say that personally as well, because I knew it was going to be coming a potential lawsuit and, you know, all these other things that were kind of coming behind it. And we knew that in this moment, I could choose to stay where I am. And I might be okay, I might be comfortable, I might have a path. Or I can burn the ships and basically start from ground zero right after having been married, thinking that I had to be a man in this new this new marriage relationship, be the provider, be the, you know, the the hunter, the go getter, 
And I had to look at my wife after my new wife after a couple months and say, yeah, all of our plans, everything we had thought, all the money, it's all gone. And uh, we're starting from scratch. And that was the hardest, one of the hardest decisions I've had to make in my life. But it was the best decision. And that taught me so much about, again, resilience, being independent, betting on oneself, um, numerous other things. And throughout that journey, at a young age, it taught me how to look at people's character, business partners, being organized, always having a paper trail, always doing everything legally, you know, so many different things. And, and yeah, I would do it time and time again. I would go through that a thousand times over if I could, as hard as it was, because it's really shaped me to be who I am today. And what's funny, uh, because you, you spoke about networking and meeting people, collapsing time. Uh, and I believe you said you're 26. Correct. Yeah. 26 years old, learned some really hard lessons very early on. How old would you be if, if you hadn't? Sorry, let me rephrase. It might take you into your 40s without having those failures, those hard lessons before learning, you know, and maybe shaping your business to wait. I mean, it, it collapsed time for you, I think. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, and, and to that point, I used to fear problems. I used to fear those types of, of challenges. And I would say that mindset is, is most oftentimes most people's biggest weakness, certainly for myself. And I know that countless other people you know it's the voices that run through our heads. But through that, being able to tackle that and being able to tackle new problems that are bigger, more challenging today, and, and probably will continue to be more challenging as I grow in, in, in my development I'm grateful for those challenges. And at some points I may be in a position where, you know, maybe descriptive, but I want to put a gun to my head, but I know that I'm going to go to sleep that night. I'm going to wake up the next morning. I'm going to, I'm going to take my very best shot that day. And I'm just going to go back to bat. I'm going to go back to the so-called war day after day. And eventually I know that I'll win. And it's because I don't have any other option. This is, this is what I've set forward. This is where I'm going. And so I see every problem as an opportunity. I see every problem as something to be grateful for so long as we have the right mindset and right attitude. And I'm still working on that. I've, you know, I think everybody does. Um, but I can tell you because of that, that problem, uh, that story or, or that journey, I'm far more resilient. Like at this point, anybody can try taking me down and I know that they're not going to be able to. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So before we wrap up here, um, I always like to ask every guest on this podcast this question, and I'd like to hear what you have to say as well. Um, so this is the win podcast. How do you define success and what does winning look like for you? I'm a visionary or I've been described as one anyways. So I could tell you, I could paint a beautiful picture of what success looks like materialistically, character, you know, all these different things, but I don't think that's the point. So Right now, um, I, would, I would say that I'm not successful. Some people might define certain metrics as being successful, certain income as successful, but you know, I'm working on building an empire with both NREIC and with RTA Holdings Group, my real estate company. And there's a certain empire that I describe with metrics by 2033. But to me, and I'm going into more detail right now, and I'll, I'll get to my conclusion in a moment very briefly, but you know, I want a team that is working to earn enough active income to keep our lights on, 
to have, you know, a manager that's developing the business that I don't need to be in the business every day. And that will continue to fuel the company's growth year after year, whether I die or I'm alive or whatever. And then on the holding side, I want to have enough profitable assets that are in our, our, you know, possession that provide enough cash flow to essentially fund my lifestyle. And ultimately by 2033, I want assets paid down personally. I want to be in a position where I can work on passion projects because I feel like it. Maybe I'm going to bet on myself and say, hey, if this goes well, I'll make a million dollars. If it goes bad, I'll lose $5 million. At the end of the day, this is a passion project. I'm going to do my best at it. I want to be able to take on much larger projects, philanthropy. Um, you know, NREIC is a not-for-profit. At the end of the day, I, I do it for the community. Um, but in the future, we want to build self-sustaining communities globally. So, you know, in 2033, I want to be in a position where I can choose to work as cliche as that sounds. And I think that everybody calls freedom that, but I know what that looks like. And so I want to be able to decide what I do when I do it. I want to be recognized as a leader in my home, as a father, as a husband in business, all those areas. And I believe that that's done through being able to be there for others, to support others and not have to go to work every day, not have to say, you know, yeah, I went into business for freedom, but I think most of us realize that business is not freedom and we're very attached to it. And we don't oftentimes get to decide when we go to work because at the end of the day, problems, no matter how big your team is, will end up escalating back to you. And so that's what I define it as. Um, I don't know if I explained it very well, but I want to be able to wake up each day and just go, my business is operating. My family's healthy. My family's provided for. I don't have to choose to work anymore. And therefore, everything I do is to give back, is to be doing things that I'm passionate about, doing things that I enjoy, doing real estate things that, yeah, I enjoy. I'm passionate about. Well said. No, that's uh, very eloquent. It's uh, You've defined it well. You, you just want to be able to have everything on autopilot so that you can enjoy the, you know, the things that you want to be able to spend your time on purposefully. So I love it. So yeah, let's wrap up then. I, I really wanted to thank you for hanging out with me here today. I, I love what you've built here. I love the fact that I'm actively networking and trying to build my own real estate investment side other than my property management business. And um, I just wanted to thank you, I guess, for the real estate investor community of what you're doing for us. So uh, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Well, I appreciate that. I, I do really hope that it was valuable for those that are listening. And, you know, what you just said to me and thanking me for doing things for the community, I could say to you as well, because I know there's probably lots of of listeners that will be listening to this and and potentially many other podcasts. And so I thank you for taking the same amount of time because at the end of the day, if you were doing this for you, we'd be having coffee together and this wouldn't be recorded. So you're giving back to the community ultimately as well. And so I thank you for that. And I thank you for your time. All right. Well said. All right. We'll, we will catch you at the next event. Thank you, Dakota. Sounds good. We'll see you then. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Investing to Win podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of another investor, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them. Investing to win is not only about helping you to win more, but win actually stands for Wise Investors Network. It's where we help our investors build a hands-off portfolio and have passive investments work for them. To see how you can potentially partner with us, go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to learn more. Once again, 
The link is www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest. All links can be found in the description below. Until next time.